two, one. Welcome in Husker Extra Podcast. It is game week, right? Game week. There it is. Game week. I'm Parker. It's Chris. There's Steve. The podcast this week and all football season long is brought to you by Tom Dinsdale Automotive Group of Grand Island and Hastings. They sponsored Let's go, Tom. Last year, we we're so fantastic that they decided to come back for another year. So yeah. they've got the podcast and our Facebook Live all season long. Obviously, we very much appreciate that. Thanks, Tom Dinsdale. And there's football this weekend. Big Ten football this weekend. Can you believe it? About that. I, hell, hell, it starts the day after tomorrow. We had a game Friday. I I know. I'm going to be in the sort hotel of, in Columbus, kicking back, watching the Illini, the fight in Illini. Yeah. Watching the bad. How would you rather spend a Friday night than a cheap hotel in Columbus, Ohio, watching Illinois? Watching Brandon oh, not, at Camp Randall Stadium. It's not cheap, Baz. Well, I know you guys live high on the hog. I don't. We don't go cheap. All right. We go pretty uh, nowhere. I'm hey, aware. hey, now, wait a second, real quick. The last I saw Wisconsin was a 23-point favorite against a team that beat it last year. Which yeah, is... but it's come way down. It's The line is plummeting. It was down to like 18, 19, or 18. Oh, yeah. it, that's apt. The Sharks are so hammering Illinois. It, yeah. Why was it so big coming out of the gate? I don't get that. I, I, that line was confounding to me. Yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. Nebraska, um, by the way, Nebraska is a 26-point dog. And yeah, that, that started lower and has gone up. Yeah. Because it started at 21, didn't it, or 23? I think um, some places had it at like 21 and a half. I think, I think Vegas Insider opened at 23 and then it went to 26. Okay, yeah. so and, what intrigues and, you about the game? And the total has gone I'm down sorry. as the line's gone up, which means really? total. That's interesting. blow up. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, Sipple asked it. He's impatient. He's ready to get going. What what are we intrigued by in the game? I I think there's a lot to be intrigued about, right? Like, how's how's Adrian going to perform? How's Nebraska going to perform in general against a national title contender? What's the defense going to look like? Does Luke McCaffrey get in the game? What are the running backs? What do the receivers look like? I, I mean, you could go. You can go right down the list. I'll, I'll kind of leave it to you guys, maybe for more specifics. But I think there's a lot you could point to and say, man, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I heard Joe Klatt on a, a Nick Boss podcast say something interesting about Adrian. Uh, he thought Adrian veered too far outside the system last year. Um, he was, you know, he's a, he was it was a second go round in, and he he knew the system well. And I think quarterbacks sometimes that know the system well tend to do that. What Klatt said, he he needs to stay within the confines of the system this year. Now. I agree with him only to a certain extent. What I'm most interested in about Adrian is if he's going to cut it loose and play with some degree of gunslinger in him, even while he's sort of, he has this kid from Colorado who everybody's so thoroughly, he's this kid from Colorado who so thoroughly captured everybody's imagination, nipping at his heels. Um, I hope Adrian doesn't play like a player who's just trying to keep his job and plays like someone who's trying to win games, um, whether that's staying in the confines of the system or not. That's what I'm, I'm really interested in what a, the picture of Adrian looks like in these games. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, obviously the quarterback situation overall um, is interesting. One of the, I guess the thing I'm curious about um, twofold, 
one, I'm, I'm very interested to see what the front seven defensively looks like and how they play. I mean, it's a tall task, obviously. You're talking about a team that averaged almost 50 points a game last year in Ohio State uh, that ran for 370 against Nebraska last year, seven yards a carry, um, that just rolled over teams, didn't turn the ball over hardly at all until you know losing to Clemson in a game they should have won uh, in a playoff semifinal. Um, you know, loaded offense and all that. So, like, I, when I say I'm interested to see how they look, I'm not going to grade it too harshly, uh, probably, unless it's a total disaster, because you just have to expect that Ohio State's going to score. Um, but I, the new guys – okay, so I'm, I was writing about, about this today, still am actually, um, but I, I did the math on the seven guys that Tony Tuioti – mentioned as being potentially rotation guys for Nebraska on the defense. D-line. Yeah. yeah. Um, here, I've got the list right here, actually. Do it. Keem Green, Jordan Riley, Damian Daniels, Ben Stilley, DeAndre Thomas, Casey Rogers, Ty Robinson. The seven of them, the average height and weight, six four and a half and 312 pounds. That's a big defensive line, a big, big voice. Um, three of those guys are six five or six, six and, and, and three twenty-five plus. So, you know, I'm just curious what it looks like. I don't know where to set the expectation level being that we haven't seen many of those guys play in like full-time roles yet. Um, but that intrigues me a lot. Um, and then the other side of the ball, Nebraska's got maybe the single most veteran offensive line unit in the conference, 106 starts back. Even if Trent Hickson doesn't start, you've got 94, um, First time since 64 that they've had all five starters back on a Nebraska team on the offensive line. Along with a veteran quarterback and a senior running back, that's the recipe for a team to run the ball on anybody. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious what, that, what their mentality on offense looks like. Yeah. Um, and if they really can. Like, it's good. I think there's a lot of – a lot will be said about whether Nebraska can roll out there on Saturday and whether they win or not, whether it's close or not. Can they line up and run the ball at Ohio State? Because if they can, um, oh, I, baby. Think I think you're starting to feel pretty good about what the rest of the year after that looks like, regardless of, of what happens against the Buckeyes. I'll, I'll frankly be disappointed if they can't. Right. I, I mean, the, there's no reason you can't put that expectation on a team. With Did you say that they have the – this is the first time they've had five starters back on the O-line since 64? Yeah, in 64. Was 64. That's when they went to least. two platoons. Yeah, that's when yeah. two platooning became legal. Wow. Okay, so why why couldn't – if you're a Nebraska fan, why can't you go into this game expecting Nebraska to run the ball well? With the tight ends they have, they have a strong group there. And they have a big, a big strong senior running back who's proven – at two schools. He, he proved himself at a high level at Georgia Tech, and he proved himself at a pretty high level last year. As Baz noted earlier, a couple of weeks ago, he really came on in the last, what was 47% of his rushing production came in the last, last three, three games. games last year. He really yeah, he averaged came 106 on. per game in the last three. Yeah, you know, he had 188 against Wisconsin. Okay, that was, that was the number three rushing defense in the country. The second half, they, they, they jacked around on offense in the first half against Iowa. He only carried it five, four times, five or four times against Iowa. Somebody said, all right, this is, this is nonsense. Let's run it. And he ran the ball 19 times in the second half against Iowa. Looked good. I think 19 times for 74 yards against a tough defense. 
I'm, I think you're right, Parker. Well, I don't know if you didn't – I mean, I think Nebraska might change up a little bit the way they operate. I think it may be more run-oriented. Although, you know, they ran it 62% of the time last year. Yeah, so I don't think you can go – I mean, I don't think that – I mean, it's not Navy, right? I mean, they're not going to go way right. beyond 62 or 64% run, but the approach might be a little different. I mean, Nebraska's quarterbacks had 200 carries last year. You want to use those guys. Like, they're talented. Martinez is a talented runner. McCaffrey is obviously a talented runner. But I think even if the, if they're 63% run this year, it might just look and feel a little bit different than 63% run looked last year. Yeah, they might not be empty on third and three, right? Yeah, uh, no, yeah. It's, you can't just predict quarterback power when it's third and short or third and goal or whatever. The interesting thing on that, just sort of staying along this line of thinking, I mean, back in the spring, remember Greg Austin um, was really adamant at those roundtables in the spring. He had this interesting sort of, um, he was talking about a conversation that he had with Brendan Hymas. And he said, yeah, I was talking to Hymas and I said, you know, as a, a unit, like what's going to be our excuse now? We're a veteran group. Yeah. We're in the same offense third year in a row. Like what, what would possibly be the excuse for why we wouldn't be a physical dominant group at this point. And so to me, like, I think honestly, we, we've talked a lot since Scott Frost was hired about building, 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 program building, culture building, depth building, strength building, all of this. And it feels to me like the offensive line might be the first place on the roster where you can get rid of that curve entirely, you know, at this point in the proceedings, like they should be good. They should be one of the best offensive lines in the big 10 giving given the experience and the time that they've had in this program uh, and the fact they've got three seniors and a center who started for a full year now like there's really I think there should be a high expectation on that group in particular and it's sort of a refreshing thing to be able to just line up and say let's see what they've got they should be good well, yeah. they, they proved it. They proved it last year too, right? They were what third or yep. fourth in the Big Ten in yards per carry on offense. Yeah, yeah. even though they didn't start the year all that well. Yeah, and they, they, had, and they started know, slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, they I were mean, the third. Yeah. yeah, they were third rushing in the Big Ten last like, year. Yeah, the, so they, they've proven they can do it. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm and I'm with you, Sip. They it would be disappointing if they weren't able to to run the ball against Ohio. Now look, it's not like Ohio State's going to have a bunch of two-star dudes on their defensive line. They're, it's going to be four and five-star guys. And it's going to be four yeah. and five-star guys at linebacker. So they're going to yeah. be going against good players. It's not going to be easy. Like Nebraska's no. not going to go run for 350 on Ohio State. No, no. Can you go average four yards a carry and, and yeah. move the chains and be consistent and not just, yeah. you know, get held this 42 yards rushing on 38 carries or whatever it may be? So – yeah, I, I'm with you guys. They, if and if they're successful in doing that, and they can move the chains doing that, that that maybe change the complexion of the game a little bit. Because you're keeping Justin Fields off the field and that offense off the field, and you're burning clock and and you're building confidence because you're going, well, we're moving on these guys, and and that only helps and it helps your defense too. So, yeah, if Nebraska's able to do that, and and I think we're all three in agreement that they probably should be able to do that, that game gets a lot more interesting than the than that than that 26 point spread maybe makes it seem to be. Absolutely. What else are you interested in, Baz? What do the receivers look like? We just talked about the running game, you know, and, and they're probably going to run it a lot. But, you know, what does it look like outside of Wandale and, and Cade Warner? And who are some of those young guys that are going to fill in? You know, does Omar Manning get on the field? How, what does the passing game look like? How do they use the tight ends? You know, I think that's 
Nebraska's still going to throw it, you know, some, even if they run it 60% of the time, that means they're throwing it 40% of the time. So what does that part of it look like? You know, we, we've heard that the weapons around Adrian Martinez weren't very good last year. Are they better this year? Does it make his life easier? So I'm interested in that and going against maybe the best secondary in the big 10 and one of the most talented secondaries in the big 10, even though they lost some guys to the NFL, they got a lot of talent back on that, on that part. So that part of it interests me. How does Nebraska on the other side, how does Nebraska secondary hold up against those receivers and against yeah. maybe the best quarterback in the country, if not one of the best two quarterbacks in the country, certainly. So I, that's where I'm going to look. That's where I'm going to focus a lot. I think is the defensive is the receivers going against the secondaries for, for both teams. Yeah. yeah, the field. The, uh, go, go ahead, Parker. No. no, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, 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 no. You go. Field. Fields is a vegan. He went vegan um, on his diet. I just. Oh, he's got no chance. Was. Then he's going to weigh 140 pounds. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure. I would change things up too much if I was him. But he changed up his diet. Now I, I wonder what that will look like. Um, because he was he man. I mean, last year he looked like a linebacker. And through like John Unitas, I mean, it's it was a good combo. So I'll be interested to see what that looks like. Yeah, I think that's. I think he said last week or this week that he was down like ten or twelve pounds. So um, oh, he's weak. I don't think you're going to be he's looking anemic. at. I don't think he's you're going to be looking at an anemic uh, a player out there. He's obviously a big, strong guy. Um, I think that the if you want to talk about groups that are are going to be you know challenged, I mean. Nebraska's got a veteran secondary and, and on paper, the secondary looks like the strength of, of Nebraska's defense. They've got a big challenge on their hands, not only in the fact that there's a really talented quarterback throwing the ball, but I mean, Chris Olave is one of the best receivers in the country. He showed that last year. He's a junior um, potential first round type guy. And then behind that, it's like, it's crazy. I mean, it shows you the way they've been recruiting the past couple of years. I mean, Garrett Wilson, five-star guy. Julian Fleming's a freshman, five-star guy. Jackson Smith Najiba, five-star guy. The rest of their receivers are top 100 type recruits. And some of them, and they're young too. That's a thing. I mean, you're talking about mostly freshmen and sophomores um, behind Chris Olave. And so you've got this sort of, it's a young group and it, there's, there's some experience there, but some of those guys are new to college football. Doesn't mean they're not ready to play, but they're new to college football and they're super highly recruited. And then Nebraska secondary is this like veteran group, you know, DiCaprio Boodle, we know his story. He talked about it this week, hardly recruited by anybody. You know, he's worked his way up. Cam Taylor Britt was a quarterback in high school who's turned himself into a good, you know, college level corner, obviously a good athlete and all that, but three-star guy. You know, Markel Dismuke's really the only like highly recruited guy in that secondary, but they've turned themselves into a group that they think can be a really good one. And so, I think that's a, it's a very intriguing matchup for a lot of different reasons. Um, but a veteran secondary against a really talented young receiving core um, is, is intriguing to me. And, and I mean, look, Olave is really, really good. I mean, he's, he's one of the best receivers they'll see this year, obviously Rashad Bateman, you know, at Minnesota, Rondell Moore at Purdue. Um, but man, I mean, he's, he's super talented and, and they can, they're, that receiving core is big and they can really run. So they're going to be tested, obviously, but I think that's another that's another matchup where it's a it's what it's one of the areas that we think is going to be a strength for Nebraska, and so you get to see it right away against against one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, Lave is slippery. He's slippery. I mean, he just he, like a he obviously know he knows how to get open. 
Um, and yeah, he, he catches everything. He's super fast. He's like a Wilson's pig in mud. Yeah. Wilson's interesting. Uh, you say Wilson was five-star player. Yeah, those guys, those two in particular, aren't they? Don't overwhelm you with size, um, but, but but you say Parker, they got bigger guys besides that. Yeah, I mean, um, one of their so Julian Fleming is a five star guy. Was a top rated receiver in the country in the most recent recruiting class. I think he's six two or six three. Oh, there um, you go. Jackson Smith Najiba is six one. So again, you're not talking about like, you know, I feel like sometimes you you turn on some teams. Um, and all they got is six, four guys. I mean, that's not Ohio state, but, um, but they're not short in talent. That's for sure. The, the, the concern, you know, the things I've read today about Ohio state, you know, Oh, one article said, or urban Meyer said the only flaw they probably have is in the secondary. Um, I thought maybe the D line, they're not as, I don't think they're going to be as strong up front as they were last year on defense um, they got Sean Wade back, who he had opted out, right? Yep. And then he he's a corner. He's a corner. Now, he opted back in, which helped them a lot because he can groom their young guys. Um, but they're not – listen, I don't think – now, the thing I wonder about Ohio State is, you know, where everybody's having this conversation of, okay, it's Clemson, it's Alabama. They, they're, they've separated clearly from the pack, clearly. Now, is Ohio State in that realm – before I put Ohio State with Clemson and Alabama, I want to see the way they play defense. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I will not be – I'm not putting them there until they – I think they got to prove they're, they're that kind of defense. And, and, you know, they don't have Chase Young. Um, they lost a couple other people up front. Uh, we'll see what that looks like. Well, and their coaches are probably telling them that too, right? Like, you guys need to go prove that you're a national championship caliber defense. And – that, that's that's a pretty easy way for to motivate those guys if, if you're yeah, Ohio State's you coaching staff. You know, Nebraska's got a lot to prove. Certainly, does the, what does the offense look like and all this. Ohio State's got some stuff to prove, too. You know, they, they've got to prove that that offense is still there and that defense needs to prove that, that it can help that team compete on a national level and for a national title. So what better way to do that against a team that's bringing in this veteran offensive line and this veteran quarterback and this veteran running back and to say, we're going to shut them down and we're going to make them look bad. So it's a, yeah. it's another, that's another fascinating matchup. You're, you're right. Sip. they got to prove it, but you've got to believe their coaches are telling that too. Yeah. And they've got talent. I mean, they've got, obviously they've got talent on the defensive line. I mean, you're talking about guys who have been more like, I mean, Jonathan Cooper, you know, and Tyreek Smith. I mean, those are guys with, with NFL futures, but they're not, like you said, it's not Chase Young. Um, inside's interesting because, there are two guys from what I've read, you know, the two guys who would maybe be starters at tackle uh, Haskell Garrett and, and, and uh, Teron Vincent, neither of them uh, I think will probably play this week. Haskell Garrett had a gunshot wound at some point during the off season is still recovering. I don't know what Vincent's uh, issue or injury is, um, but you know, so they lost a couple guys off last year's team. We got a couple guys hurt on the interior. So it's one of those situations where if they roll two more guys out and they're dominators inside, you just sit there and shake your head and say, man, I mean, must be nice to have depth like that. Um, but we'll see. I mean, that's, that's the area, like you say, Nebraska's offense against Ohio state's defense is really the sort of compelling issue, you know, the, the compelling matchup at, at hand, I think on Saturday. Yeah. Speaking I like of, this. Go ahead, Baz. No, go ahead. Sip. 
I like this matchup better than Penn State. I mean, um, it, it's not – it's close in that regard. But I think Nebraska, if it can, you know, hammer away at them a little bit and put 21, 28, 31 points on the board, it doesn't have to be a lost afternoon. It wasn't – you know, we talk about – they're always good, but we know what happened in 218 at – that's worth mentioning what happened in that game. I mean, Nebraska was in it right to the end. Um, so it, it can happen. And I don't know, I go back to Ohio State's defense. They, they have to – I, I want to see what that looks like. Yeah. It, could be well, a, a, yeah. it could be a game like that. The thing that works against that, if you're a Nebraska fan hoping for that, is Fields, I think, is a lot better than Dwayne Haskins. I mean, you guys saw that game in 18. Haskins missed guys. Yeah, he just didn't play that. Flat out missed open receivers in that game. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. We can can talk about what happened in 2018. That's relevant. But we also better talk about what happened in 2017 and 2019 and 2020, too. You know, when Ohio State's locked in and and they're rolling. It's tough, man. You know, and certainly it's going to, it would help Nebraska if, if, if Justin Fields has an off day like he did and like in Ohio state has an off day, like they did a couple of years ago, but you can't count on that happening. You know, you, you have to expect that if you're Nebraska, that they're going to be locked in and, and they know they have eight games to make a statement, nine games to make a statement on a national level and they'll, they'll be ready to go. So yeah, you're right. Nebraska kept it close two years ago, but Ohio state helped in that regard. I was on a, I did an Ohio state uh, podcast with uh, one of the outlets over there yesterday and we were talking about that 2018 game. And the guy said, and he was serious too. He said, he said, yeah, Ohio State was a train wreck that year. And then uh, he sort of like thought about it. And he goes, well, I mean, I guess they ended up going 13 and one and they won the Big Ten and they won the Rose Bowl. <laughs> train wreck. Train wreck. <laughs> That's what train counts wreck. as a train wreck in Columbus these days. 13 and one, don't make the playoff, win the Rose Bowl. Yeah. I mean, when Gene Smith announced Ryan Day, he sort of said, you know, as their head coach, he patted him on the back and said, you know, the expectations around here, it's to win them all. We don't want to lose one. And he kind of winked, but it was sort of like serious. Like, yeah, he wasn't really really joking around. Yeah. That's where, that's where they're at. That's what Nebraska's up. Well, Dave's done pretty good at that. He's lost one game and it was against Clemson in the playoff last year. And, and it was a game they probably should have won. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of wins and losses, that's a natural segue into our Husker Extra hot topic. Segway. The first one of the year. Nebraska, wow. uh, hopefully, will play nine games this year. That's the plan. What record through nine games would constitute success for Nebraska? Parker Gabriel, go. Five and four. I Five think. and four. Now, why? You can put any amount. I mean. Look, it, it obviously depends on and where the wins and losses come from. I mean, you could be five and four, and if you beat Wisconsin and Iowa and you blow two games that you, you had in control against Purdue and Northwestern, like, of course, that mark can feel like a missed opportunity, right? I mean, that, that could happen. To me, I think if you look at their opening four, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Penn State, I mean, two and two out of that would be really good. I, I think that was one of the questions in the special section that we put together. And I think I said one and three um, out of that, just as a guess, basically. 
I think if you go four and four um, on the schedule at hand, and then you win that crossover game, December 19th, five and four, going to a bowl game with a chance to win a sixth. Um, I just think that, I mean, what does that correlate to, right? I mean, that would five and four would correlate roughly to like a eight, seven and five, eight and four, probably eight and four, you know, type season. I, I think a lot of Nebraska fans would take that at this point. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's five and four better. Um, and, and like you said, it's, it, it's a lot of it could be predicated on those first four. If they come out of that two and two and then they still finish five and four, does that mean success or does that mean that they maybe missed another one and, and could have got to six yep. and three, you know, or, or if they go one and three and get to five and four, all of a sudden that looks, that's way different. You know, like you said, Parker, it depends on the games that you win and lose, I think, but look, anything over 500, at this point, the way the last few years have gone is an improvement. It just is, but just based on what's happened, what we've seen the first two years under Scott Frost, what we saw at the end of the Mike Riley era. So yeah, if they get to five, that's probably a success, but which, which five are you winning and, and how do you get to five? I think that's the key. The only thing I'd add is I'll tell you what, I mean, obviously it would give it a lot of oomph if they beat Ohio state. I, I just write off. I don't, I just don't see him beating Penn state. Um, but the thing that's realistic, and I think the important thing in this schedule is to beat both Wisconsin and Iowa. It's there. They, both. It, it doesn't have to be a pie in the sky notion. They haven't beaten Wisconsin. It's seven straight losses to Wisconsin, five straight to Iowa. This is a year. If you want to, if you want to ignite the fan base, and put some umph into a five and four, beat both, both beat, beat them both. I mean, I just don't oh, know why that sure. has to be a strange notion. Not this year. It's, I don't think was, I think Wisconsin with Cone gone out again, he'll be out against Nebraska. No Tyler Biotish, no Jonathan Taylor, no Quintez Cephas. Cephas. Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor, really average guys. They have a great tight end. Um, they'll be good up front. I don't. I don't know if they'll be great. I don't know if they'll be great at running back. You should be able to get that game, and you get them I, early too. Yeah, you should be able to get Iowa too. There's no. I mean, Iowa's good. They'll contend, but you were close to Iowa last year. You should. You're close to Iowa two straight years. You should knock down that door, and if you really want to add some ump, beat beat Wisconsin in the second game. I think that if they're in a position, and again, like. Nebraska's played a lot of close games and their record in, in one score games the past two years is not particularly good. Um, no. But if you're in a, if you're in a position where you, you beat both Wisconsin and Iowa, I think six is in the six is in the realm. Then, I mean, at that point, like okay. you shouldn't uh, like, look, I say this be, and we haven't seen anything for 10 or 11 months. So who knows? I mean, it could just go totally haywire, but if, if you, if you get both of those games, um, you, you should not lose to Purdue, you know, you should not, not. lose to Illinois. Um, and so then it becomes not lose Northwestern. Yeah. 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 Right. Exactly. So I think Northwestern probably going to be significantly better than they were last year. But anyways, I, if you beat Wisconsin and Iowa, like put it this way, anybody, anybody that beats Wisconsin and Iowa should contend for the division. Right. I mean, yeah. that's the, those are the two teams that have, except for Northwestern uh, two years ago. I mean, those are the two teams that have been the two best uh, in the, in the West uh, along with Minnesota last year, I guess. So 
uh, yeah, you win those two, you should you should be thinking about a division title. Um, I I don't think they'll get both of them um, at this point. Obviously, a lot can change. Um, but yeah, I'm interested, Simple. You're you're feeling that Ohio State's a better matchup than Penn State. I would think. I think the opposite on that, but it's fine. We can have differing opinions. I just think because I think it's mainly because of what we established about Nebraska being able to move the ball yeah. on their defense. I think Penn State might be a little more well-rounded. Um, but, but they, I mean, here's the thing. Penn State's offense is not nearly as explosive as Ohio State's. And that's, that's why Ohio State will win the Big Ten. It's, it's because, uh, because of what you said. They have the sort of offense that can average 50 points a game. That's the question in Columbus. Can they average? They averaged 49.6 last year. Can they average 50 a game? <laughs> I mean, we've seen that at Nebraska, but it's been a long time. And you, but you know how formidable that is. I mean, it's so I, that's why I think it's just a little bit better. Um, just a little bit. I mean, it's it's. I think the matchups close. are close. But Penn yeah. State's ground game is what's what scares me. Of course, now Journey Brown's not playing. Um, he's 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 got some kind of medical ailment. Their best running back um, that changes the conversation a little in my mind. But Penn State had real, four really good running backs. Um, he was the best one, and he was on fire at the end of last year. He's not playing, so that that cha- that affects the conversation. If Ohio Journey. State averages 50 points a game in a Big Ten-only schedule, then geez, you just throw your hands they're up. They're not going to lose. Say, yeah. yeah, they're not going to lose. I mean, that, that's it's, it's, it's too hard to do that. You don't have those non-conference games to, to pad those numbers a little bit. Should we uh, – you guys want to make a few predictions for the season? That'd be fun. This baby up? <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. Let's do it. Stop being indignant, Sipple. You're being Obstinate. indignant. <laughs> obstinate addled <laughs> let's start with this we know who qb1 is it's adrian martinez does adrian martinez start nine football games this year parker no but no i say that mostly based on history that he's had injury issues each of the past two years i mean outside of that i i, I tend to think he's gonna play well um i, I don't it depends on how short a leash he has, obviously. Um, I have to say, even though, like, obviously you could have made the argument last year. I mean, he probably, I mean, you're talking about, you know, hypotheticals that just don't exist. But if you had this year's edition of Luke McCaffrey and last year's performance of, of Adrian Martinez, I think you'd see a switch. But I don't know. I, I expect Adrian, I don't think there's any reason to expect him not to play well and not to take a step forward. Um, I think he'll be the starter as long as he's healthy. Um, but I just, we haven't seen him play every game on a schedule yet. So I'll, I'll that and combined with McCaffrey playing well, I'll say no. They really seem there's, I mean, McCaffrey seems to have captured the imagination of not only the fan base, but of frost. <laughs> Um, and, and the coaches in general, and the players. I, I mean, it, it. I think when Frost said the other day that if McCaffrey had, he, what, paraphrasing Scott, if he had two years under his belt, he, I, Parker, I think he said he'd probably be the starter. If he, he said if he was the one that had played the last two seasons, he yeah, probably would be the starter. He'd probably be – I had to re-listen to that. 
Did you um, take that as, did you take that? As, I was asked, I've been asked a bunch of times since then, if I took that as him not being excited about Adrian Martinez. And I guess I didn't think about it that way, but I can understand why people might've interpreted that out of what he was saying. Right. Oh, I, I, no, I didn't, I didn't necessarily interpret it that way. I interpreted it as that McCaffrey is on pretty even terms with Adrian, but Adrian has the experience edge. It's just, I think it was another way of saying that. So my answer is I think McCaffrey will get a start somewhere. And it won't, I don't think it will mean necessarily that Adrian has played really poorly, but I think they like McCaffrey enough that I I think there'll be a circumstance that he gets a start and then you just got to see where it goes. So I guess I would say, Baz, I'd be surprised if Martinez starts all nine games. Yeah, I'll I'll agree with you guys. I don't have a lot to add to that. You guys covered it pretty well. So I'm just going to say no (laughs) and we can move on. McCaffrey's right. real. He's a real, I yeah. think he's real. I don't think yeah. it's, I don't think this is a coach trumping up a kid. That he's worried about transfer. I no, I think we see him Saturday. I think he gets on the field just, you know, whether it's for a couple series or they have some package plays for him or whatever. He's, he's going to be on the field Saturday. He's too good. Oh, yeah, to I, I think he'll play. Yeah. yeah. All right. We'll go to another one here. Simple favorite topic, the big horse, um, Dietrich yes. Mills over under 950 yards rushing for Dedrick Mills in a nine game. And we'll say 10 games. We'll say they get a bowl game, 10 game schedule. 10 games. Yeah. Over I think under he'll have every opportunity to get a thousand in that scenario. Yeah. I think he'll I, get over 950 and, and, and knock on the door of a thousand because of that. As long as he stays healthy. And I don't think he's the type of running back who's prone to injury. Um, I, yeah. I think he will. I think he will because of what we established about the offensive line, the tight ends, uh, I think, I think the willingness to run the ball um, and his the fact he's a he's a grown man, um, yeah. I, but you know what you said the, the only thing that would make me hesitant is what you said about the Big Ten, and so you're in that Big Ten schedule every week. Uh, but I still think I still think he'll do it. And a lot of it it comes down to the fact that he's going to get a chance. He's going to get a lot. Yeah, of he'll get the opportunities and. 10 game schedule. If you get to a thousand, that's a hundred yards a game against 10 against nine big 10 teams and probably a pretty good team in a bowl game. So it's not, he's not going to have one ninety against central Michigan or, or whatever. He's going to, he's going to have to earn it. And I think or Wisconsin <laughs> or, was, or Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> if he, I tell you what, if, if, if he rushes for one eighty eight again against Wisconsin this year, then he's getting to a thousand. I'll go ahead and make that prediction right okay. now. How about that? So. I just keep on 10 games, I think I would take him to get to 950. I think it's going to be close. One of the things we've seen from, you know, some of it's going to depend on how the guys behind him develop and how committed they really are to Ronald Tompkins as a number two back um, and what dimension the other guys can add to the offense. Um, they have enough options that I'm a little bit skeptical um, between the quarterback run game and McCaffrey. And, you know, I'm not, I don't think Wandale Robinson's going to get 90 carries or anything like that, but I mean, a couple of game probably, and some stuff that is basically glorified run, uh, whether it's screen or fly sweep or whatever. And so, I mean, 
I don't think Diedrich Mills is going to get 25 carries a game, put it that way. Uh, I mean, I think 18 to 20 maybe, mm-hmm. and that should be enough over 10 games to put him right around that, that marker. So I, I'll say yes, 950. Sure. Right on it. Exactly. Yeah. 900. Right on it. Exactly. 950. 950. There it is. Wow. Well, we'll do one more on offense. Um, non Wandale division. Who's, who's the, who's the guy? that Adrian Martinez looks to this year in the receiving department, who and it can be receptions, receiving yards, targets. Who's the guy that, that, that Adrian Martinez is looking or Luke McCaffrey's looking at the most this year outside of Wandale. Uh, Parker, I'll go Alante Brown. Um, I think Alante Brown will have a significant impact, a significant impact. And I mean, be one of, be a guy that lives up to the hype. I'll just say that. Uh, so how many catches, are we talking about uh, 30, 31? 30, I was going to say, as you get to 30, you think? Yeah. Yeah. I do think, I do think he will. Okay. I um, think if we see, Oh, were you done simple? I, I I'm done. Thank you, Parker. I think if we see Omar Manning an uh, extensive action this year, he's a natural candidate for that. We don't know if that'll be the case at this point. Uh, I'm going to dig into the, the bag just a little bit and speculate. And I, I'll say Travis Vogelek. Okay. He stole mine. He's a guy. I mean, I don't think well, that's good. I don't think you're going to necessarily maybe, unless one of those guys just gets hot and stays hot, um, maybe. I don't know if you'll see massive numbers from any of the tight ends, but I honestly think that that might be because they can use all of them. And so it might be that their leading tight end has 25 catches for, you know, 350 yards or something like that. Um, but if you have six touchdowns with that or eight touchdowns with that, and if you look at it at the end of the year and say the tight ends combined for, you know, 65 catches over 10 games for 900 yards, I mean, you're in business then, right? And so I think at the end of the day, Vocalex is probably the most natural pass catcher they have at tight end. And so I'll say him narrowly over Austin Allen uh, in the passing game. Uh, wow. Over, so you say Vocalex and Allen will get more than Stoll? I, wild guess, I, I think. We've heard that Austin Allen's had a really good camp. Um, okay. And those guys are – they just seem like a little bit more field stretchers. I mean, Jack's a, Jack's a, a nice player. He's a good player. And, and the combination of being able to, to run the route tree and block is going to keep him on the field and in the mix – um, but I just wonder if maybe those other two guys are going to be a little bit dynamic, more dynamic in the past game, at least over the course of the season. Yeah. 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 Like I say, Parker, Parker stole mine. I was going to go with one of the tight ends, whether it be, whether it be Stoll or, or Vokalek or, or Allen. I think it's one of those guys. I think we see them a lot more. Let's flip it over to the defense. We'll do one quick on defense. Let's go. Let's go up front. What do you think that that starting front three looks like? And who is maybe the guy that, that comes out of that group where we get to the end of the year and say, you know what, that dude was really good this year. Go ahead, Parker. You're, you're pretty versed on this topic. <laughs> I, I, I think Ty Robinson. Um, I mean, it's not a shocking answer. Um, shocking but... to me. Actually, that is shocking. Really? So you think he'll be the, the leading guy out of those guys? Yeah. Wow. I think so. I mean, that's interesting. I, I, I buy, and I, if someone else, this is someone else's answer, I'm, I'm not, I won't steal their thunder. 
I tend to believe what Tony Tuioti says about Keem Green and the progress he's made. I think he's a really interesting player, um, especially if he can handle multiple roles. But I just think they're going to rely a lot on Ty Robinson. I mean, he, he sort of, to me, he's the Wando Robinson of the defense from a recruiting standpoint. He's the first really big win for a recruit the coaching staff has. He plays a I mean, defensive line, and, and especially if he's playing end, I mean, that is a premium position in football today. Even though in a 3-4, when you're in odd, I mean, not the sexiest spot always, but um, a dominating force there still um, is incredibly valuable. I'm not saying that he's going to be that as a redshirt freshman, but I think you come out of this season saying, yeah, man, 99, he can really play. Interesting. I'm going to go Jordan Riley. Um, because because he's older, you know, junior yep. college transfer. I I think I think that uh, Ty Robinson has a great future. There's just it's just hard to be a redshirt freshman in the trenches in this league, and be a real. I mean, I don't think he'd be a dominating player. If he is, well, then then Nebraska's. I mean, that would really help the program if they have a redshirt freshman dominant defensive lineman. I just think it's hard in this league to do that. So I'm going to pick a guy who's been impressive by all accounts, who's a little older, who has that, he has that incredible size at 6'6", 340. But Chenander has talked about him in pretty glowing terms. Um, so I think, I think when it all said and done, Jordan Riley will, will emerge as that, as probably the guy that makes the most impact up front. I'll take a similar van. I'll take Keem Green. Um, older guy saw a little bit of it last year. That's maybe the one difference between he and he and Jordan Riley is that Keem got a little taste of it last year, so maybe he he's a little more ready to go yep. Off, yep. off the start. You know, I think the fact that we've got three different guys that we just talked about there is probably good news for for a position group that that has some questions. You know, going into this year, so there's some options there. But yeah, give me Keem Green. I, I think we maybe forget a little bit how much. Nebraska really liked him when they got him in here, you know, and, and now you've seen some of the recruiting and, and the guys you've talked about, and he's maybe kind of, kind of fallen to the, to the shadows a little bit, but I think this is a chance for him to, especially in a shortened season to, to really make a name for himself. So I'll take, I'll take Keem Green as a guy. Don't, don't forget about, right, uh, don't, don't forget about Damian Daniels. I mean, he's, he's one of the most intriguing guys to me because we've seen the flashes of him. I mean, we have seen him stand up centers, shuck them, and drop running backs in the backfield. I mean, do stuff that there aren't that many young men that can do just physically, right? I mean, manhandle somebody and make a flash play in the backfield. He doesn't have to do that 30 times a game. But if he can harness that playmaking ability and turn himself into a player that can be on the field for six snaps in a row and be consistent in what he does and what his role is, he can be a really good player there's a lot of guys who have the ability to do it and then they don't ever quite hit their ceiling. But in, in talking to him and talking to Tuioti this off season, he seems like a guy who's committed to being a leader in that group and by, and to leading by example. And so he's a guy who I think has some, even though he's been around for a long time, we've seen him quite a bit, we've talked to him for a long time and all that. I think there's some untapped upside there, whether he hits it or not. I mean, we'll find out just like everybody, but he's a guy who has some raw tools that we haven't really seen fully form on the field yet, but maybe it's in there. All right. There you go. Season's here, fellas. We got a game in a few days. 
assuming testing goes well over the, <laughs> yeah, next, yeah. over the next few days. So you guys will be there in Columbus. I will be here in my basement watching along on TV, shirt <laughs> off, pants optional. Um, <laughs> just do keep them on. Just keep them on. That's what they're going to be telling you. That's what they're going to be telling you in the press box. Sir, sir keep your shirt on, please. <laughs> my shirt Which, will stay could we get could we get some Gus to go alongside Gus on the broadcast? Yeah, I'll get we'll get we'll get we'll get some live thoughts from Gus. Gus Gus and Gus that. Gus Johnson on the call, right? Gus, yeah, Gus squared. Yeah, Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt, Jenny Taft on the sidelines. Oh Good man! Crew. Got, so you, got yeah, we got the crew. Got the A team. Yeah, got the varsity team. Big noon kickoff, baby. Big nude kickoff coming this Saturday. All right, boys. <laughs> Good stuff. Good talk. The season's here. We'll have a game, game to prediction. break down next week. Oh, yeah. Okay. Game prediction. Game prediction. Um, go I'll, I'll go first. Yeah, Sipple's panicked. I'll go first. Um, we just talked about what Nebraska's going to be able to move the ball and all this. I, I think Ohio State's just too good on offense. Give me Ohio State 41, Nebraska 21. Yep, I've Parker? got my pick. I've got my pick for Slim Pickens already turned in, so I'm I'm locked in uh, along similar lines. Baz, um, Ohio State has so much offense. Um, bigger a bigger score than I maybe thought I was going to pick, but I, I picked Ohio State forty nine to twenty one. Oh, we're all in the same neighborhood. Um, yeah, I think Nebraska can get to twenty seven, and I think. Ohio State can get to 42, 42 to 27, 42 to 27. Two-score game. Yeah. All right, guys. Good stuff. Uh, fans out there, football's back. We made it. Let's enjoy this week. We can yell about the team next week. Until then, we'll talk to you soon. Guys, right. don't forget, God bless this podcast has been brought to you by Tom Dinsdale Automotive oh, in Grand Island and Carney. We're happy to have him on board as a sponsor. Thanks, guys. Yes, talk to you are. next week.